from Hollywood, California, the horror capital of the world, the Boulay Brothers, Creatures of the Night. All right, so here we are in Vancouver, and we are still on tour with the Boulay Brothers Dragula Titans. And Abora is not here in the city with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why am I not surprised? Why do I feel like so many fans are also not surprised? So what happened? You know, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of moving pieces when it comes to a tour, and there's 20 cities and multiple shows and yada, yada. It's the same extraneous circumstances that all of us operate under, but... We are going out of the country. And I think even Canada, which is out of the country light for many people, you still need a passport. Right. Who knows? I think anyone from the greenest performers or very experienced performers could potentially forget their passport. But when someone calls you the night before you're to join the (laughs) cast and says, hey, checklist, you'll be picked up here. Here's the itinerary. Here's what will happen. And do not forget your passport. That is exactly what happened with the Bora. And she still forgot it anyway. <sighs> you know, I guess that's oh. part of the magic that is Abora, right? It's mm. a little haphazard. I will say, so Abora joined the tour. First night, killed it. Of course killed it, of right? Course. Abora is such a great performer. I think I would love to take Abora on any date in any city. She brings something special and different. But of course, also, you know, she comes that night. We had to leave because we had to fly back to L.A. So we have not been with the tour group for a little bit because we left that night, flew back to L.A. to do this telethon. And now as we're gone at the telethon, we have discovered that Abora is not with the tour. They left her at the border. (laughs) (laughs) She's such a huge dose of like chaos magic on stage. She's just so electrifying and incredible. But I think what comes with that is also like these kind of wah wah like moments of like dropping the ball and just hot mess moments i will say i was upstairs getting painted in my dressing room i heard them you know because when someone new joins they run through it all and they add the music so i'm upstairs (laughs) and i hear like i've written a letter to daddy i just die laughing i know what's coming you know and i'm just like it gives me a thrill i love it it does me too and i also (laughs) i put myself behind the eyes of like all the crew because they get to see the revolving cast so it's like ooh, who's this Melissa be fierce oh she's like legendary okay now Melissa's out oh Erica wow she does this and she does that and I saw like the craziest and weirdest looks when Abora's dress were coming <laughs> <laughs> like I think they were literally terrified at least half of them that's what makes the cast interesting I think it's yeah. fun and you know so speaking of we're still on tour with the Blade Brothers Dragula Titans and uh you know there's not really any other drama or anything to report like no. I, it's weird because I hear from other tour companies you know, Voss and different stuff. And there's lots of drama and fights and divas and stuff. I'm like, we don't have that here. We don't do that. We don't tolerate that. I think we train the competitors too. They want to have fun. They want to be celebrated. Our people are fierce and cool. They don't do shit like that. And professional. The chaos and and all of the drama comes from stuff that we can't control. Like the bus broke down or the computer like just melted or I don't know, someone got sick or three people got sick or whatever it might be. Someone doesn't have their passport. Coffin fell on someone that <laughs> she didn't like, and now they're no longer on the tour. Things like that. <laughs> well, some of those things happen and on purpose, and some of them by accident. 
That did not happen. And that coffin, how heavy is that coffin? She's about 300 pounds. 300 pounds. Per. Yeah. And when it's coming down at you with a little velocity, probably goes up to like 450. Yeah. So as I mentioned, we had to step out of the tour for a minute, fly back to LA to do this telethon, which is the drag isn't dangerous telethon. Yeah. I mean, it would take a lot to get me to leave a tour, which is already exhausting. Fly back to LA, not sleep, appear on a telethon. And then fly back to Canada. We'll literally go to sleep for three hours and then go directly back to the airport and fly to Canada. Not fun, but the telethon was fun. It's weird. I don't know if you feel this way. Obviously, it's an important cause and I wanted to be a part of it. And our management company was very, very, very much looking for us to be a part of it. And yeah. I was happy we did because it raised over $500,000. Half a million dollars. Half a million dollars, dollars to I mean, combat some so of these issues. And that's impressive. what I really care about. And that's the main part. But it was fierce. Like, I had a great time. I did, too. It was fun to be a part of it. It was fun. And there's people that we've known that you would never expect us to know, right? Like, fans of ours would never expect us to yeah. know, like, hi, like, we've known Tammy Brown for a million years. Yeah. And I love to see Tammy Brown. Oh, yeah. And I love to see Ginger. Seeing Ginger yes. is fun. Alaska, we've known for 10 gazillion. You know, it's just yeah, fun to course. see all this. Because I think, you know, a sleeper is too, is Kelly Mantle. Like, we've Kelly known Kelly Mantle, Mantle we've known longer than anybody. before yeah. Drag Race even existed. Oh, yeah. From the club scene, she used to be in a band called Sex, Sex with, with Lurch. <laughs> if you have not heard it, go on to Spotify, <laughs> look up Sex with Lurch. And play, play glitter, glitter bitch. bitch. Oh my god, I still sing it. To and there's this day. another one. Is there's glitter bitch, um, and then there's an oh, like uh, white, white surf, surf trash. trash. <laughs> is another one. Yeah, oh, we're spilling the tea. So, anyways, go listen to those songs. They're awful and amazing, and I love them. Anyhow, uh, uh, there's a couple of honorable mentions though. Peppermint looked stunning. Peppermint was gorgeous. <gasps> So hot, and she's like very slim oh my and svelte God. now, and Fucking her deadly makeup and her. She just looked gorgeous, gorgeous. And you know what? Jinx was snatched. Jinx was snatched up too. She looked good. Oh no! And Whoa! Was, wait a minute. What? We have to ask Ian about this. All of a sudden, everyone's getting skinny. <laughs> well, we saw the commercials at the movies uh, today. We'll the, talk about that. The Canadian later. Medical I didn't Board. Think about the that. Canadian Medical of... Board has different rules than the American I ones. You obviously. I'm so oblivious to stuff. I'm just like, damn, everyone looks so good. <laughs> I do love to see it though. I'm I like, do too. Bitch, you look hot, and you look hot. I do want to thank <laughs> David and the whole PEG family and yes. everybody, even the touring company, Obsess and Five Senses. So many companies came together to galvanize this movement of drag isn't dangerous and it was so successful and really cool just to see what some solidarity and focus can do because we raised half a million dollars and we're going to use that money to battle some of this other money that conservative groups and other political groups are using to kind of demonize parts of the queer community i saw some ads the same day that we went these conservative right-wing kind of whoever's pushing this drag you know narrative they like photoshopped out pictures of drag queens from nightclubs and put them on stages during the day with little kids in the foreground. Cause a couple of drag queens shared on Instagram was like, look, this is my picture. Wow. And they just take it publicly because it's Instagram is public. You know? Yeah. And I just thought that was so gross. And I mean, to me, of course that's bad, but what's even, I don't want to say it's, you know, this is worse or better or whatever, but what's even more threatening is the trans legislation that's happening. Yeah. That's very scary. I know. You know? But anyways, I don't want to go into that. We kind of gave our political speech the other day, and I am drained of my Hillary Clinton side. (laughs) I did want to go in there and say, 
partially it's everyone's fault for these things happening because they didn't vote for Hillary Clinton when they had the chance, you know. Yeah, so just checking in on where we are and what's happening. We just got back from LA and doing the charity event. The North American leg of the Boulay Brothers Dragula Titans tour is wrapping up. Yeah. We have Vancouver tomorrow night and then we're going to be in Portland and Seattle and then we'll be back in LA with our hands on the wheel of a certain fifth season of a show that's yes. coming up at the end of the year. We are already uh, in pre-production on the next season of the show, which is fine. I'm excited. about. I'm actually excited about it. It's going to be very different, but let's take a quick break because we have a lot to get to today. And when we come back, we are going to dig into this episode's creature feature movie review with Miss Ian. We'll see you shortly. Sounds excellent. All right, we're back. Ian's here. How are you doing? Ooh, I'm good. I had my pulled pork poutine combo. Yes. I got my Ozempic shots. I'm yes. good. My Ozempic back shots, Eddie. <laughs> so before we go into the Ozempic oh, of it all, so we are we are in Canada. And mm-hmm. of course, as I think we mentioned on the last podcast, we wanted to review Renfield. Yes. So today we had a little time in the afternoon saved to go see Renfield. Mm-hmm. Well... To our surprise, Renfield does not exist in Canada. Like, not at all. It was so weird. We were literally looking up movie times like, oh, like, let's go see this. And there was one movie theater playing Renfield, and it was in Washington State, like nowhere in Canada. 70 plus miles away. I was like, wait, something wrong? We'd have to take like a two hour ferry ride to go see it, which we did not. So we were like, well, what's another (laughs) word? Because. We could stream stuff. I don't like that. I want the authenticity of us going to the movies together. Mm-hmm. No, like no a true, a true junior men's yeah. field trip. Exactly. So <laughs> we went, so we found this Canadian movie theater and we picked the only movie that we could watch. It's very non-traditional. So bear with us this episode. It is the guardians of the galaxy volume three. <laughs> and we went to the movie theater. You know, it's a little different. The Canadian movie theaters are slightly different than in the States. Mainly because there were what, Ian? There were commercials for Ozempic. <laughs> okay, so it's so weird. We're like, you know, hi, I think I've publicly talked about the fact that like eating in a movie theater kind of grosses me out. So we're like, well, <laughs> ladies, let's actually eat. So we're ordering pizza and chicken tenders. Like we went And in. also poutine, po- and pulled pork poutine for that. Poutine <laughs> pulled pork combo. And so, you know, we order our mega slop and I turn around and I see on the TV, it's like, in the theater. Just ask your doctor if Ozempic is right for you. And I was like, no fucking way. It's like a way. secret I, in LA. I couldn't believe it. You well, canceled for Ozempic. <laughs> but for us, it was like another special like little message from the universe. Because as we were on our way for our first coffee of the day at the wonderful establishment here in Canada called Tim Hortons, um, we oh. saw a big billboard that was like, it was like, I don't even remember what the messaging was, but it was like, come on in, mama. And I yeah. could not believe my eyes. Oh, my God. Oh, we took a picture of me. Maybe we'll have <laughs> we'll to post it. it. Yeah, yeah. We'll post that. So weird. Carousel. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, there's actually been a lot of like strange, I don't know, like weird foreshadowing clues that maybe people will be cued into later. You know what I take that as? I take that as spiritual experiences and messages from the universe. It means we're in the right place at the right time. Okay. okay. Well, speaking of spiritual experiences, I swear to God, I had a ghost in my hotel room 
today because I got into the shower and it's like spraying water all over. And I'm like, okay, poltergeist one. So like adjust the shower head. And I look down and there is a single 301 eyelash stuck to the bottom of the tub. And I'm like, <gasps> I can't <laughs> believe it. Basic drag <laughs> this is not a bad hotel. No, it's not nice. at all. Wait, why like, do you equate 301s with bad hotels? I don't know. I can imagine <laughs> some kind of trashy hotel that didn't get cleaned or there's some kind of like, you know, it was the spirit of drag pat. Either that or like Ian needs to like get on Ozempic and discover his drag character. I think so. Oh Although God. I do have to say really quick, and I know that like technically I'm not in the room when you all do the intro bit, but hi, we're in a hotel room. We're recording the podcast in the makeshift studio. But it's really funny to think about when we went to the Drag Isn't Dangerous telethon because it was a great experience. But I have my own sort of like weird warped lens that I have my view through, which was like we show up and I was like, I literally feel like I'm Wednesday showing up to like the Raven Loft Academy or whatever. <laughs> Whatever, because it's like you know y'all are Morticia, and I'm just like hello. And like all the other like students, and they're like, hey, Kiki, 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 drag, 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 and I'm like, I'm also here to do spells. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. And we've, we've triangulated our microphones as we've explained on the tour in oh, the yeah. live podcast. How when we're in a smaller room, we have to like properly distance and triangulate our microphones so that our voices are made powerful and correct. The whole time when we were getting ready to go and start the telethon, I was in a goofy mood that day and everyone's very serious. And I, all I kept thinking was, Homeless, not toothless. Homeless, toothless, not homeless. <laughs> <laughs> and you said it. Oh, no wait, one laughed. No one laughed. I can help it. I so was for like, the listeners at home, it, there's a Real Housewives of Beverly Hills last season. There was this whole controversy about this charity called Toothless, Not Homeless, or it's Homeless, Not... I don't know. It's one of those, but it, that was the whole thing. People, they couldn't get it straight, and everyone kept laughing. It was very uncomfortable, so because we were going to do a charity, that was stuck in my head, and so I got in front of the red carpet, and I said it, and it Well, we were all laugh. saying it backstage, but I didn't know Jack was going to go out there and say it in front of everybody care. else. I was like, we're here to raise money today for Homeless... <laughs> Toothless, and they were like, what? Oh my God. Wow. How about when you gagged Alaska? And it was like, what would you say to the, the conservative lawmakers? And you're like, well, first of all, come out of the closet. And she goes, oh. <laughs> it's, I know, everyone in the room was like, Glup. but I was like, it's the truth, and you all know it. It was the only correct answer. Who, look, the only person that is that concerned, you know, uh -huh. with... I can't even, you know what I'm saying. Thou doth protest too much. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so anyways, we are way off track. So we are here yeah. to discuss Guardians of the Galaxy yes. Volume 3. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so if anyone wants to, go watch it real quick and come back and listen so you can join in on the conversation. But we have a kind of unique perspective on this because Ian, he's only seen half of the first Guardians of the Galaxy. So this is not something he's super familiar with. Mm -hmm. And you don't watch most of the Marvel stuff, right? Yeah, I will say I'm actually very unfamiliar with like the Marvel cinematic universe. I've seen a little bit here and there. It's just not 100% my bag. I will come out of the closet as I'm more of a DC girl. I like the way that DC handles their kind of one-off stuff. But yes, to answer your question, definitely blind viewing for me you watch a lot of it but you also watch. you're not like a hardcore like i like marvel or dc you just like it all i like kinda, it all yeah like, like you don't know if captain marvel is flying in through captain america's shield or you don't <laughs> not know not really no but i do i do enjoy it if she does <laughs> and for me i am a super like i know i have all the comic knowledge so all these characters are characters i've been reading for like many 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 years so Jack, i come let, at it from that perspective 
I'm going to say it. You have an incredible wealth, a deep wealth of knowledge from all comic books. I think of like of all eras. It's really impressive. I really should be an editor at one of these comic book companies, but they don't pay enough, so I can't. Right. I live with this like <laughs> uh, strange knowledge dark triad we have here. Yeah. So I think it'll be the reason I'm pointing those things out is because it, it'll give us an interesting perspective to comment on this movie because we're coming from such different places. So let's kind of talk about the idea. So this is sort of the chapter three. This is the last Guardians of the Galaxy movie that they intend to come out. James Gunn is exiting Marvel and going strictly over to take over DC Cinematic Universe. So this is his siren song. Thank you, Jack, because I, I wasn't aware of that. This is exactly part and parcel of my perspective. I'm like, I just consume all the material and yeah. Yeah, so he is taking over. He has big plans because, you know, the DC Universe has been a flop. As far as their it was a done, it, it has been real, been a mess. Real. It's been all over the place, and the characters are so amazing. I really hope he does something good with them. So let's talk about. Did you? It was a long movie, right? A full two hours, I think. Maybe even more, two twenty or something like that. It definitely felt kind of long, like not in a bad way, but I, hi. My litmus is how many times I have to get up and pee, and I had to pee twice, and not just to like, oh, I'm kind of bored. I was like, oh, I really? Oh, girl, I gotta go. Yeah, I was like, are we nearing like infinity? What is it? Infinity gauntlet, whatever. Like, oh, is this like infinity the three War. hour mark? Like, I thought it was when I was like, we would go back to rescue the animals. I was like, now hold on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> now hold it right there. You've done crossed the line. So let's talk about this. So this is a superhero movie. It's a cosmic superhero kind of movie. It's it has a lot of humor to it. Mm -hmm. What do you all think of the humor in, in this movie and the way that they handle their content? I love it. I, I think that Guardians of the Galaxy is a great example of how you can take the alchemy of a few different ingredients, put it together, do it well, and it works. It is a bombastic kind of superhero movie, but it's also very musical. It's very musically driven. The, the soundtracks are great. That's been consistent with all three. And it's also very funny. It's intense, too. It's like exhausting on like this intense huge level like the craziest stuff is going on and like hi i was getting emotional during this one because it touches on a lot of stuff but i do think it balances action with music and comedy extremely well so you and you're cool with the comedy love it what about you i am very cool with the comedy in this specific instance i don't know if i said this on the podcast before but we've talked about it, the three of us i feel like I had this distinct memory of like the first Avengers movie where it's like the world is literally ending. Like New York is getting destroyed. And then they're like, but what about the chimichangas? And I was like, eh, I hate that kind of comedy. Yeah. But here I felt like the comedy was really well balanced. And I actually appreciate it because like Swan said, the movie is really intense. Like, and we'll go into it. It's really dark in some areas. And I felt like they would put a joke in a really well-placed area to be like, it's okay. Like you can kind of breathe now. And I really appreciated it. It's weird because I think in order for a movie with this big of a budget to exist, to be able to exist, it has to have mass appeal, right? And oh, yeah. part of what I think, I get a little aggravated with movies like this sometimes because I do feel like it has to have this kind of like almost like very basic white American bro humor sort of like, it don't, like you know what I mean? Like I, I feel like there's a little bit of that and also... With the musical choices, it's like, hi, you know, it's very like they know exactly know. what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's very thought out. And even in this one in particular, what's really going to ping on people's heartstrings? It's an animal. It's a quivering wow. animal in a cage and all this. And we'll get into that. But so for me, the comedy, I think it's handled well. 
But I would like to see some, you know, Marvel be, content that's not like that. It would be cool to have a very serious one. Like, I think about, and I just want to go on records by saying this. Like, when I said I like the DC movies, like, I'm not standing Aquaman over here. Like, I'm like, Matt Reeves is the Batman is, like, where it's at. So, mm. like, I would love to see a Marvel movie with that same level of intensity. Because... I love a lot of the humor, but hi, there's like a poop joke in it. And then like Gamora's on the toilet at one point, And I'm like, we could just not do I w- that. Th- it's funny you mentioned that. Cause I was like, that was kind of odd. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, there's, you don't, a, there's I don't actually know. a couple of scenes where they have both male and female characters sort of in like semi nude or almost suggestive positions. And I'm kind of like, it's like a weird coding of like high everything for straight people is like, always coded sexually i don't know maybe that's just me reading too much into it but also everything for queer people is also coded sexually i think everything for people is just kind of sexual there's the comedy but as you mentioned there's a lot of dark themes in in this one that you know weren't in the previous movies it got really dark and remember disney owns this franchise so what did you all think of like matt swan like what do you think like uh, some of the themes like what were they the ones that hit you the hardest Well, to take two steps back, I think that the comedy is sort of like for everybody, the storylines and the plots kind of pulled on everybody's heartstrings. I feel like in America, this would do really well. I think it's done extremely well in the Asian markets. Like, I just think these are universal themes like family, Mm -hmm. the need for friends, animals. And I kind of can't believe how many heartstrings were pulled with with animals as main characters. I mean, there is a little cyborg otter that literally <laughs> ripped my heart out. I couldn't believe how emotional I was getting from, you know, <laughs> it's not a little CGI otter girl. And I was like, um, my jaw is quivering. Like I am getting emotional in the theater and I don't even do that with like people as the subjects. Yeah. So I think the need for friends, family, closeness and perfection and evolution. And I, I think there some of them grand, some of them really kind of like common. Um, the themes were wide sweeping and I think that everybody can relate to them. But the darkness, right? Like the animals that we're talking about, the kind of the bioengineered ones, they didn't live. Very bleak. Yeah. That's I, unusual. I will say that I was very surprised at how dark it was. And I think that the animal violence and animal abuse is the hardest part of the movie to watch. And like, hi, I think all three of us are animal lovers. Like, you know, to quote Swan, like we love animals and we hate people. I can, you know, we can watch horror movies all day, but like seeing animals suffer is really hard for me. And there's a lot of it in the movie. Like I was very surprised at the level of suffering that the, you know, they're CGI animals, but yeah, like rocket suffers a lot. And I was like, this is hard to look at. Speaking of Rocket, like Rocket has been historically my least favorite character on Guardians of the Galaxy because I just can't get my mind around a little talking raccoon. But this movie did so much to explain the backstory. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, like halfway through, I found myself loving Rocket and Rocket's history and just this world of like the high evolutionary and animals as experiments and evolution as experiment. It was just it was so fun. Like I just was kind of like smiling and like excited and like sad and exhausted like throughout watching the show. I actually appreciated that they went as dark as they did because that did make it a little less like the type of movie I was just talking about. You know, it feels like James Gunn had to do a certain amount to get the viewers he needed, but he wasn't afraid to push the envelope. And I think it's cool that they let him push it a little bit. I saw an interview with him. He was doing a Q and a on Twitter the other day. And you know, someone said, did they give you any pushback? Because you did, you went to a lot of kind of weird places and he said that they didn't. Wow. I'm surprised. Me too. too, And so I think, you know, he said, well, you know, Disney 
as a brand and Pixar is very different than the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the other properties because they own some other things too that are, you know, not as clean. So I was like, okay, that's cool to know, you know. One of the things I really enjoyed about it was it seemed very epic where normally I don't like that with Marvel movies because usually in Marvel movies, it's like the world is going to end mm-hmm. and, and it starts getting so quantum physics and all that. And you're just like, oh, for God's sake, like it's mm-hmm. too much. This one was epic, but wasn't like that this time. Right. Which I thought was good. It wasn't like the whole universe is going to be obliterated. What did you all think of those? A hundred percent applaud that. I enjoy smaller stories where there's like less mm-hmm. at stake because things can get too ridiculous and all the time everything needs to be on this epic galactic scale it's exhausting yeah i completely agree and i think that they really center this conflict around the main villain who i found to be very intense and very scary like when you were saying uh that this is sort of a weird pick i actually think that the movie starts to go really far into like body horror cosmic horror like mm-hmm. i was getting major event horizon vibes like there's a scene where they're like bring on the hellscape or what do they call them the i forget those abomination kind of things yeah they're these creatures that come in in the third act of the movie and when they reveal them i was like oh my god i mean this is full-blown hard sci-fi horror yeah like literally like gigantic chewbacca octopus like hell flesh creature i'm like wow and the fight sequences were amazing kind of like the pig and the squid like the kind of bionic like they're pretty terrifying yeah yeah and and then the way that and you know hi for viewers who are gonna go see it you know maybe skip this but the way that they are assembled too it just they look painful and Mm. i I appreciate like their design like i was just like this doesn't feel like disney this doesn't even really feel like marvel like i feel like i'm looking at like spawn characters or like the doom franchise or something one of the things that i could nitpick about it nitpick it's one of the things i would you know i always think it's good to think critically about these things we love the movie but you have these cutesy cutesy little softy cutie mm-hmm. animals and we feel bad for them right but the other ones yeah they're ugly but they have experienced the same thing they too were forced to be evolved and then combined with all this weaponry you know yeah, you but you can slice through them and we don't feel bad yeah. for them because they're ugly because if you're soft and cute you're worth more <laughs> <laughs> very true is that how you play it on the that, show that's wow. how that's how it works diva <laughs> you know you're you're both totally correct though because i mean hi there's that scene where rocket is looking at all the cages and i think that they oh, do a it's good, painful it's it literally is. painful yes. but i think that they try to answer that question a little bit because I love a hyena and like you can hear a hyena giggling in the background. I was like, okay, like there are other animals here that it's not just like, it's all rabbits and raccoons. It's like, you know, at the end, which I'll, I'll give a gripe here. They pull some like Judeo Christian bullshit in it where it's kind of like, it's Noah's Ark. And it's also like the creation of man. I was like, I'm not really into that level of like, let me like, mythologize this but at the same time like it was cool to see all the animals and stuff and be like okay well there are nice little pigs there i I do want to talk about my one of my favorite characters there's a lot of cool animal characters in this movie one of them like uh one of them being floor the little like robotic (laughs) rabbit contraption like kind of mashed together with like like, saw like something from like jigsaw like just a a, a, like a bear trap mouth and like spider legs but like a cute little albino rabbit um so adorable but cosmo the dog with with the russian (laughs) accent like just stole it for me like i could watch an entire movie about that character yeah i'll just say one last thing and then i'll get off the criticism train 
they only did it really once, but I found that I overall I thought that the story was well written. I actually enjoyed the dialogue, but there were a couple of times where there was dialogue that was purely exposition. Like it'd be like, well, Star Lord, your mom was killed here, and this is why you do this, and you feel this way because of XYZ. And I'm like, Mm-hmm. okay cool i'm not 12 like thank you <laughs> yeah but you know what i maybe a lot of people that watch it are 12 or they probably the age range runs the gamut i mean but secretly i enjoyed it because i'm like i have never seen these movies well, so like, okay but you. that's the thing it's like it's like <laughs> like it's all of the action yeah. and all of the stuff is coming at you like a million miles an hour and it's kind of easy to just be overloaded like your senses can just kind of like fly out the window because you're flying through space you're cutting through octopus monsters here's a guy with telekinesis and a talking dog and you're like what is happening like someone please let like let me know bring me back down to earth yeah i mean look overall the movie was enjoyable one thing i kind of want to go off on a second that no one's going to care but i'm going to do it anyways Ooh. is how they changed the characters right because they introduced some characters in this volume three that weren't in previous ones one of them being adam warlock which the goal and mm-hmm. if you don't know because i don't even know if they ever they kind of mentioned it but not they don't they, go deep they on mentioned it. it they do but they don't really they go said deep he on was it. supposed to be the warlock so this character is adam warlock who in the comic books is very serious and powerful and he's actually the leader of the infinity watch which becomes the guardians of the galaxy and i think he's a part of guardians of the galaxy too it was weird what they did with him. What did you think? Because you know him from comic books. I do. Too. I remember because I read those back in the day. I gave them a pass because basically they, they were saying like of his race, he was like super significant. His mother's in the film and she kind of protects him and says, well, he's just a child. Like overlook all of his kind of like misdeeds and how ignorant and bumbling he is. He's just a child, even though he looks like a 25 year old man, I, I think mentally we're supposed to, Oh, okay. We're supposed to accept that he's inexperienced and sort of like brand new in this role. Yeah. It's just kind of weird. Cause he has such a sort of elder statesman vibe in, in the comic books. And this same with just, Mantis Mantis. I remember being thing. Yeah, so that, cunty and deadly and she's almost very silly. I, and I, I like gonna, this character. I actually really love the character, but too. I don't like that. They're the same person. Cause the Mantis in comic books, She's like the Celestial Madonna. She was the one that was chosen. There was a whole comic book story. Who's going to be chosen to be the Celestial Madonna? She's going to carry the baby that's going to become the next, like, savior of the universe or whatever, which I think, whatever. And she was it. Mm -hmm. And she was super fierce. And, like, but they make her very silly in this one. I don't know. A lot of the characters are silly, and it's fun. Yeah. I do love it. I I give, like, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, like, everything. It was just enjoyable. Two claws way the fuck up. It was amazing. Last question I have for you all. So James Gunn has done Guardians of the Galaxy. Obviously, <laughs> had a lot of good success with that. Yeah. He also went into DC with Suicide Squad, but also the Peacemaker show, which was very good. Now, it's a similar style of vibe with the humor. So does this mean, do we all think this means he's going to bring that humor to and levity to the DC Universe projects? I got to say this. I accept the writing. He does more than just write comedy because he creates these moments that I think are very iconic and they're not all just action based. For example, in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, they all have like on a different color jumpsuit and they just kind of leap into space. And it's just this screen cap of like, wow, what an epic scene. And I think he's really great at writing great comedy, but also epic scenes and the action sequences are really good. And I think this is why graphic novel films that are based on graphic novels are iconic. So I have a lot of high hopes for him. 
what do you think? Do you think he's going to sort of, because DC's always been more serious in the way they approach their cinematic universe, but do you think they're going to change that now? I think that we'll start to see a unification of the humor. I mean, my hope is that DC can continue to include stories like Matt Reeves as the Batman, or even do things like the Snyder cut of the Justice League, because I think that that's an interesting lane. I do think that James Gunn is going to bring some of that humor and just, like I said, a unification of how things look and feel and just plus everything up. But I do hope that we still have the opportunity to tell different kind of stories, which I think that DC has the opportunity. But hi, does that really make money? I don't know. Yeah, it's odd. Like the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe has that distinct humor element to it that's been very successful for them dc has not has been unsuccessful so does it have to have that to succeed i don't know when i think of like the first wonder woman film it wasn't silly and it was well received and did well now the second one was a total flop oh my god 1984 is crazy it is probably one of the worst movies i've seen in a long time i try to give movies a pass when i'm like 10 minutes in and i'm like this is bad but Mama, the mall scene. Oh, I was like, immediate I was like, ruin. this movie is a mess. Well, you know, Patty Jenkins directed Wonder Woman one, but she wrote and directed. So I blame her squarely for the disaster. where the blame is yeah. deserved. Well, she's not coming back. He got rid of her. So who Ooh. knows what's going? I think he might get rid of Gal Gadot too. Really? Which is kind of crazy because I feel like she. Finding a new Wonder Woman, there's no way people were not going to compare her to Linda Carter. Yeah. And everyone has fully accepted Gal Gadot. Yeah. I've accepted Me her too. and I'm a, Wonder Woman, a Linda Carter stand. They so. were whispering about the casting of Wonder Woman, what felt like for years. And I was literally like nervous because, hi, I think Wonder Woman is a character that a lot of people love. I love the character. And I was really married to like... <sighs> Who is it going to be? Who yeah. are they going to cast? It's it didn't bother be me at all. Like, I totally accepted it. I thought they did a good job. So I hope she comes back. But all right. So that was it. If you want to watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, it is in theaters now. Watch it and let us know what you think. Let us know if you agree with us. And we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to answer all of your listener questions. We will see you soon. Welcome back. It's time to answer some of your listener questions. Remember, if you have a burning question you'd like us to answer about the Blade Brothers Dragula or halfway to Halloween or any of our other projects, feel free to write us at creatures at bouletbrothersdragula.com and we will read and answer your question on air. But for now, Ian, will you do the honor of reading us? Choosing and reading our questions. Ooh, let me let me get the mailbag off the bus. Hold on. Oh, it's so big. Ian from Michigan asks, what happened to the part of the podcast where you do a, quote, horror history segment? That was a favorite of mine. Would you consider re-adding it? Yes, actually. I think we would like to re-add it. I think the problem was is that the podcast, as you know, if you've been listening to it for a long time, was getting very long. And we moved podcast <laughs> networks, uh, like, what, maybe a year ago? Yeah. A little less. And uh, we needed to keep it contained to a certain amount of time for ad space and stuff like that. So, But I think we can find a way to sneak it back in or put it as additional content, maybe. We also wanted to try to devote ourselves to consistency a little bit better. And that part could sometimes slow down the production of the podcast. So, for example, now on this U.S. tour, we recorded in Roswell. Now we're recording from Canada. And that allows us to do that 
where one of us doesn't have to sort of like sneak away and kind of like do research. But we will kind of like judge it because I think the the haunting of history was kind of a favorite for all of us too. Yeah, I love Absolutely. it. That's one of my favorite sections. Haley from Connecticut asks, my question is for Swan. In the most recent episode of the Belay Brothers Creatures of the Night, recorded in Roswell, you and Drac discussed your unexpected carpentry skills. I was wondering, in that case, if you made any of the props for tours or even for the show yourself instead of outsourcing. If so, what have you made that we might have seen? This is such a satisfying question. I feel like we just talked about that and it's yeah. like almost like reaction with our fans in like like real time. Real time. Yeah. Ooh. It's a kind of cool and exciting. Yeah. Going back to the inception of the show back when before it was on TV, I think I built the very first Dragula sign that like lit up and was like the iconic like drip font. And I actually built the coffin that mm-hmm. Loris meatball and pinche were buried in in the first season of the show i built some of the stuff that we wear too like some of the headpieces like the black sort of a high priestess look that we wore there's another thing recently so we have a whole team of people that work on the production crew obviously there's teams of people different departments all this stuff but as the executive producers, we're allowed to just interject surprisingly like a carry-on bird from the sky and rip yes. something up or redo it. And the set for Titans, no, for season four, the judges booth, you went in and tore that up and redid it all yep. yourself. Yeah. And I was like, we need to get ready for the show. And you're like in there with ladders and plywood and fabric and it looks fabulous. I think you it's my favorite. Job. Thank you. I think that's like my the favorite look of any season judges booth was for season four yeah but also the house and the transitions i built that uh, miniature house too oh God. yeah credit where credit is due mm-hmm. to you I'll, I'll i'll sweep in in a panic a lot of mornings i'll come in with coffee and it's like like it'll be like it's the fangoria day and i'll come in and everything's set in the coffee and i'm like no i hate it and i'll like throw it all <laughs> rip it all up and rearrange it and i feel like everyone there just i'm not thinking about it because i just want it to look right and i feel like they're all sitting there like thanks <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's why we're at the helm. Okay, and if they're like, mm, thanks, then hi, the three of us and the audience are like, thank you. Yeah. Like, I know, like put, fix it. <laughs> Lacey from Phoenix wants to know, my friend Sarah and I had an amazing time on Monday during the Titans tour. Everyone simply murdered it. It was a lovely surprise to find out we had just about the best seats in the house as Drac and Swan are suddenly coming out of a door at my right elbow. My question is, where do you get your ideas slash inspiration for your performance concepts? All of your numbers were just stunning and clearly thought out to make a strong vision. Well, one of the things we have to do when we're coming up with shows is it all has to be choreographed because there's two of us. So we can't just be like, you know what? Tonight I'm feeling sassy. I'm going to come out there and serve on my lip sync. And, you know, that's what a lot of drag artists, there's no plan. They're just like fiercing it, feeling their oath. They have the luxury of doing that. Me, when we come out, yeah, I mean, I'm like, oh God, we have to do another show. It's like, <laughs> it's like weeks of like thing and props and costumes and rehearsals. And it's like a whole fucking thing. So it's like fierce and assassin. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. So that I love what we do because we always have a great stage presence. And that's honestly, if we did shows by ourselves, we'd do it like that too. But I do wonder sometimes what it would be like to just be like, I'm going to put on my little onesie and like, you know, <laughs> Maguma out around on the stage and just not care, you know? Well, I think oh, it's amazing. It, I love to hear you describe it that way because I also know that there are like, 
little treats for you both in the shows where it's like, oh, we're performing on a stage and has like a weird layout. It'll be like, okay, this is your like government designated seven seconds of freestyle time. So yes. enjoy, yeah. but make sure you hit your mark when you come back. Oh, or that's what you know, And I'll tell you guys, for those of you at home, <laughs> if you ever do a Yay, show with Swan, you don't want to mess up. <laughs> you don't want to mess up. It's not that she's going to do something to you, but if you've ever felt the glare <laughs> of a mean mom who just shreds your whole purpose in life with a glance. That's when you know you missed your mark and you turn around and you lock eyes with her. It's over. It's just that icy oh, disappointment. It's, a no. to- it's like, I'm going to help you, but I hate you. <laughs> oh my God. No, I think that it's always helpful, but I have to, and maybe this won't make it onto the episode, but this one cracked me up because if you have seen the, the finale show of the Billy of those Dragula Titans world tour, um, then, you know, there's a scene where I'm dead on this riser and Drac comes up and beheads me. And so I'm fully over this thing. Like I can't see anything. So I can just hear. And I'm literally just listening to, and I'm listening to the show and like all the lights are going and I hear Swan Drac, hurry up. And- <laughs> and Drac sprints around and beheads me at the last possible second. I'm and like, I got it. it. I'm like, I don't need it. She's like, well, you're running a little behind. I'm like, I got no, it. But the Look, best part is it's always, I know that it's like Swan, the ultimate professional. It's yeah. always when her back is turned. So there's like a 0.2 second window mm-hmm. where she can do it not seen from the audience. Oh, and we both have up. those power moments because when I have, to, there's a point in the show where I have to go around to walk up the stairs yeah. to get to you. And you better know, oh, there's a I'm using moment. that three seconds to shift that prosthetic. I'm like, my eye is crooked. My wig is about oh, to fall off. I love and live for all this commentary because the, so the stage is my favorite place. Yeah. I will literally walk the theater. I have done it a hundred times on this tour. I will walk the theater and just peruse. Yes. I like just cross my arms in front of me and just walk the stage because I'm like, there's the mask. There's the chalice of blood. There's the mausoleum doors. There's Ian's that his head will be taken off in a few hours. There's what Drac is going to open the coffin door. And I just, I live and love the stage. I I live for it. And I think to answer the question, thank you, Lacey, because we really come alive and love being on stage and entertaining live crowds. It's where our drag was born from. And we just take inspiration from what we know, like from the world of horror and monsters and just like powerful characters and creatures uh, of the night if you will and we know how to entertain a live audience like for example in this tour we didn't necessarily come out and run up the aisles like you mentioned when we just appeared on the side and all of a sudden you had the best seats in the house Drac was kind of like after the first show and maybe the second show was like the intro is missing something like let's add and the show is kind of ever evolving so when you see it like later in the tour you're seeing kind of like the tour perfected yeah. with all the changes and all the intuition that it takes as an entertainer to say it's good let's make it great yeah or sometimes if we're just feeling in a different mood that night we're like oh let's do something different tonight so it's always something a little different or sometimes you just go to the fabric store and change the costume and chop the wig and chop the mask in half and add blood and like all that stuff actually happened on this yeah that finale show yeah it has changed completely it changes a little bit like every night yeah it really does anyways that's all the time we have for this episode of the blade brothers creatures of the night Remember to rate, subscribe, and review the podcast wherever you listen to it, especially on Apple Podcasts. And make sure you send your listener questions to us at creatures at beletbrothersdragula.com. We will see you on the next episode. Until next time, uglies. The Boulet Brothers Creatures of the Night is hosted by the Boulet Brothers with their co-host and producer, Ian DeVogler. 
engineered and mixed by Carlos Bueno, with music by Neuron Spectre.